You're listening to a Sim Media podcast. In a world of iconic riffs, immortal solos, the highest notes, and the most guttural growls, the debate of the greats has raged on for decades. And we settle them here. This is The Great Metal Standoff. Ladies and gentlemen of the rock and roll, punk, frog, hardcore, thrash, and heavy metal community, my name is Jason Evans, and this is The Great Metal Standoff, the podcast that pits music's greatest albums in track by track combat. Tis the season to be jolly, but with a year like 2020, it's going to feel a bit better letting out our pent-up frustrations at the awful events that have, we've had to endure this year. So to keep it healthy, let's find a scapegoat, shall we? Yeah, let's see. Uh, I know. Nickelback, Silver Side Up, and Creed, Human Clay. Rock and Roll's biggest laughing stock. That'll make a good scapegoat. But wait. We're in for a shock. I'm going to be joined by Mosh Pits Jacob and Ben. And guess what? Jacob has made it known that he once went through a Nickelback phase. And Ben, unironically, unashamedly, and very passionately, is a massive fan of both Nickelback and Creed. So what I thought was going to be a battle where we'd pit two very bad albums against each other and tear them apart... I was finding myself at moments digging some tunes by bands that, while I don't outright hate, find either really indifferent or unable to take seriously. So enough dilly-dallying, let's be open-minded about Silver Side Up and Human Clay. Here's how this battle's gonna work. Every album battle will be contested in track-by-track format by our podcast panel. Each individual panellist will select a winner of each pairing. The winning track receives a point to that individual's tally score. Tracks on albums that go uncontested can receive a tally point if a panellist awards it a gold star, which will come into play. Human Clay outweighs Nickelback today. Once the battle is over, the album with the highest tally score will receive one grand point for that album. If a panellist's tally score results in a draw, both albums will receive a half grand point each. And finally, most importantly, the album with the most grand points will be declared the winner. Now before we begin, I would like to warn that in the later stages of this conversation, we do briefly discuss subjects such as sexual assault, which some listeners may find distressing. If at any point you find anything we discuss distressing, remember... Help and support is always available to you at Lifeline 13 11 14, Beyond Blue at 1300 22 46 36, Kids Helpline 1800 55 1800, and the Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Counseling Service at 1800 737 732. Okay, and now we shall all collectively vent our frustrations by taking it out on Silver Side Up by Nickelback and Human Clay by Creed. Let's go and see what Jacob and Ben can do to help convince me otherwise. Roll the audio. 
Holiday season, let's farewell 2020 with the exact kind of content that it deserves. Nickelback and Creed, Jacob and Ben, welcome to The Standoff. Hey, thanks so much, Jason. Um, I find it really funny. Last time I was on The Standoff, we were talking about two progressive rock metal masterpieces. And this time, we're talking about two of the most famous mainstream rock albums of perhaps the last 25 years. So I'm excited to chat about it. For all the right reasons or for all the wrong reasons, you say, Ben? Well, I mean, that's the question, isn't it? But um, I think you'll find that uh, I'm quite enthusiastic when it comes to both these artists, which I'm guessing when you put this idea together, you didn't think you'd find anyone that loved both these records. I was so surprised. I've, uh, I've warned the listeners, Ben. I have warned them. <laughs> Perfect. Jacob, where <laughs> do you stand? I, I, I'll be real. I think I said once upon a time on the uh, radio show that uh, I had a Nickelback phase. And <laughs> look, going back through these, I am wondering what I was thinking. Um, so this will be an interesting one, although there are admittedly quite a few uh, sleeper hits within these. So, Where did the Nickelback phase begin, Jacob? That is a very good question. I think it was just me getting back into music and picking up like my dad's old CDs and um, somehow I picked up a mixture of Foo Fighters with Wasting Light and I think it was all the right things with Nickelback and kind of somewhere there caught both of them and thought, oh, these two are the same quality. <laughs> it's definitely worth mentioning as well that if we were to compare two different albums, there's a fair chance that some people would not be familiar with any songs on either record, but it, almost every person in the world would know a couple of hit lead singles off both these records, both incredibly famous albums. Definitely. That I can attest. That is very, very, very true. Uh, Jacob, you've raised a, a bit more of a larger point here. How do you fall out of music that you need to get back into it? I don't know. I think just as a kid, I focused on like other stuff. And oh, then, okay. Like, I rediscovered music and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. That makes a bit more sense then. Ben, as honestly, it blew our minds when you joined Mosh Pit and you announced that you're a massive fan of these guys. It's good to know because in fairness... Nickelback and Creed do have good songs. They truly do. There are a couple uh, on these, on both of these albums, uh, Silver Side Up and Human Clay. But uh, what makes you such an enthusiastic fan to dig deeper, Ben? Uh, it all began when I went to a local op shop, and I know there's a joke in there, uh, and, and found uh, Creed's <laughs> Human Clay. And honestly, it was the best I ever spent. But funnily enough, the first time I ever heard the record, I actually couldn't differentiate any of the songs. I thought it all kind of just ran together and sounded like the same thing. But it was this incredible light melody. And I think Mark Tremonti's very underrated in this. He does this a lot with Alter Bridge as well. And that was the, the thing that kept drawing me back. And I also think Scott Stapp did an excellent job putting over some really nice, almost angelic-like vocal flow over some of these compositions. So I think definitely that. And also just the massive production and also the fact that these are quite like famous songs. I don't know. There's always something about that with me. Um, when, when something's a part of rock history, I, I do like to definitely uh, dive into it a little bit more. And uh, as for Nickelback, I think uh, growing up, you know, just absolutely love those hits on the radio and uh, just good hooks, fun songs, not overly serious. And I do have to say both albums have such big production. I think they both sound sonically quite nice the guitars sound rough 
live energy in the in the room it's just it's it's a lot of fun stuff so look forward to diving into both of them with you guys mm. we've spoken Definitely. fairly positively uh about these two uh albums here but what do you reckon makes them so hated objectively i, I think for a lot of people and especially the creed one maybe the music's a little bit too derivative um they're trying to perhaps kind of nod to earlier grunge with bands such as Pearl Jam is obviously the most common comparison. Scott does sound like an Eddie Vedder ripoff half the time, doesn't he? Yeah. So that, that was always the big comparison, but then I think a lot of fans felt that those early grunge bands just did this sound better. Whereas this is post grunge because it came a little bit after and it's a bit more radio uh, catered to. So yeah, I think just oversaturation and a heavy um, leaning to Christianity and religion was one thing that many fans kind of felt was perhaps just not a little preachy, especially on Creed's end. Uh huh. Just to elaborate, sorry, Jacob, just to elaborate that one point, I just want to test Ben's encyclopedia brain here. Is that really the difference between grunge and post grunge? Just the more radio friendly nature of it. I do not understand the difference between the two. No, I, th- I think um, post grunge has to be 95 onwards. Um, Bands including Three Doors Down, I would put as like a post-grunge band, especially their early stuff. Uh, Creed, absolutely. Nickelback is a post-grunge band. Whereas if we're talking grunge, we're talking Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, all that stuff. Post-grunge does have a, a different sound to it. I can, I can tell immediately when I listen to it. Hmm. Okay. Also, you'll notice with post-grunge, the song lengths are usually three minutes, 30 or four minutes. You're not going to get many tracks that are longer, even though this Creed record is kind of long, actually. <laughs> a few of the songs do it go is, by. It touches on close to an hour. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, it's a big, big record, that one. So. Whereas uh, Silver Side Up, less than 40 minutes. Uh, Jacob, I didn't get your uh, overarching thoughts on Creed going into this. Where, where do they sit with you? Um, I, think, I think Ben kind of hit on the head with the, uh, the comparisons to older style grunge with both bands, actually, with... Um, any sort of sounding like the previous stuff, but not as good. Last time I was on for a metal standoff was uh, Silverchair and Pearl Jam. And look, that was early Silverchair and Pearl Jam on their second. And yeah, no, there is a huge, huge quality difference. Um, Not necessarily in production. The production value, I reckon, in these is much better, which might also be why they're worse, in my opinion. Um, But I I I say that thinking, that you know, part of what made grunge in that music is the underground feel, the less produ- less pr- produced feel even, um, you know, kind of adds something there. But I think there's, as I said, there's a lot to be gained from Creed. It's just, there's a lot to be forgotten as well. And I think it's a testament to how much people didn't like Scott Stapp as a vocalist because Creed went on to form Alter Bridge, which was three fourths of Creed. Uh, including Mark Tremonti, uh, Scott Phillips on drums, along and with Brian, Brian Marshall. Marshall on bass. And people absolutely love Alter Bridge. They are absolutely beloved. So it, it was never the four members. Well, well I guess Creed was, was hated, but I think Scott Stapp was kind of a huge reason why. And apparently his ego at the time, at their peak, he was completely unbearable to be around, which might also uh, detract from their image as well. If it saves face, Ben, I don't hate Creed. I just find them very funny. And Scott Stapp is one of the reasons why. (laughs) 
Absolutely. I mean, you, you look at the pants he's wearing in all the film clips, you look at how overly bombastic and silly the music videos are with just horrendously dated CGI. And you um, said the costumes. I thought of that with Arms Wide Open video. That is the funniest acting I've ever seen. It, it, it's absolutely hilarious. Like it, It's just so good. And, um, and then it's even more hilarious to say with a straight face that you love the band (laughs) um, (laughs) once again uh, i'll just run a few good songs because human clay is their second album uh the songs torn and the the title track for my own prison are very good songs by creed and i would actually recommend those and um and they went on to release weathered which came after human clay one last breath and my sacrifice are good songs Hey, there we go. Mm. We're, we're, we're doing well. Yeah, uh, funnily enough, on the My Own Prison record, that's probably their most uh, loved album in terms of uh, music critics and fanfare. It's a mm-hmm. bit more on the, the grunge side, whereas Human Clay, a lot more commercial. But Weathered's probably got the best variety that the band did. Um, and then they came back for one more record in 2009, which Mark Tremonti admits was a little rushed. Um, some people might argue the whole band's career was rushed, but <laughs> who knows? Um, yeah, really looking forward to diving into this. It's going to be All awesome. Right. Mm. One final thing before we do, Jacob, what are some songs by Nickelback outside of Silver Side Up that are legitimately very good that you do seek out frequently? Because I can name Burn It to the Ground, Edge of Revolution. Burn It to the Ground comes to me. Edge of Re- I think you've got Burn It Down, Edge of Revolution are two of the best in the whole discography, I think, including this album. Um, I would dare say there are some off uh, the next album, which has escaped my mind the name of it, um, such as Far Away is a unfortunate lack of mine. It is a guilty pleasure. Um, there are quite a few just guilty pleasures throughout the next album and Dark Horse. Uh, and even Ed, uh, the album that Edge of a, Revol- Edge of a Revolution was on, um, there's quite a few in there that I seek out every now and then when I'm feeling like in what I can only describe as a cringy Nickelback uh, mood. But at the same time, it's not something I seek out actively outside of a few songs. If you feel rebellious and you want to stick it to someone, you do play Feed the Machine, I must admit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, let's... Uh, f- me personally, this is probably going to be a podcast of which album is the least worse because Nickelback or band I'm super indifferent on and Creed I just find funny. So this is just going to be a case of, all right, which one do I will I tolerate more? It's not really a best album for me. But Ben, as the passionate fan, has a chance to sway us, doesn't he? Yes, I, I'm going to give this my absolute best go. I just want to know, gentlemen, how many times did we get a chance to listen to these two records? Because they would have been fresh for you guys. Oh, I think I got through it about three and a half times. Um, and each time I listened to it differently. Uh, first time I listened to, um, obviously, each album in just as on its own. Second time and third time, I listened to um, Silverside 1, uh, Human Clay 1, Silverside 2, Human Clay 2, in that kind of order to try and get them back and forth to actually compare the, t- uh, the, compare the pair. So uh, that's where I'm sitting. Okay, with the strategy uh, bearing all to us here, let's signal over to the timekeeper. Let's get this ready. This is the final Great Metal standoff. This is our Christmas special, if you will. Timekeeper, ring that bell. Just thought of one final question, gentlemen, about uh, this battle. Are we going to include the With Arms Wide Open string version in the track order? 
Uh, no, because on the CD version, which I own an original copy from 1999, the Ooh. string version is not part of the record. Okay. That was on a re-release. So it'll not be counted. But for those who want to watch the With Arms Wide Open video, you will hear the string version. That's the version they use for the film clip. Is that right? You learn something new every day. Yeah. Damn. There you go. There you go. Okay. First battle, and I am so glad. For a band that gets so much flack over the years, I'm so glad we get to start positively here. Never Again versus Are You Ready? Ben, start us off. Brilliant. So if we want to say which song kicks off the record better, I was a little disappointed with Never Again in the sense that it just opens with a drum beat and a bit of a bass line. It's a nice groove. It gets quite heavy. But Are You Ready has all, almost this Middle Eastern tinge to it that I really dig. And it's kind of a theme without the album. We know immediately we're going to have some interesting rhythm and grooves. Um, and I think Are You Ready just comes out of the gates roaring. We get to hear Scott Stapp for the first time, whose voice is actually quite gravelly on this record. I think his voice gets a bit more smooth and softer on Weathered and then on the newer album as well. So that's interesting to note. But Never Again is classic Nickelback. But for me, Are You Ready does everything a Creed song should. And I really do love uh, the, the kind of uh, section after the second chorus. It's a nice bridge. And, uh, you know, Scott's going five, four, three, two, one. And then he lets it rip and we get heavy distortion. And by the way, I must say on the production of this Creed record, the snare drum is one of my favorite snare drums ever. It just pops. It sounds so clear. Uh, Scott Phillips, his drum performance on this record is perfect. And I just love how much distortion and energy is in the guitar, how this was recorded. Funnily enough, it was actually recorded uh, not in a studio, this Creed album. It was actually recorded at the producer's house, which was uh, John Kurz Kurzweg, who also did Puddle of Mud records and so forth. So both great tracks, both open up the albums well. But uh, are you ready for me? Is I'm ready. It's winning early. Jacob. That was uh, a lot more, I guess, concise than I thought it'd be. I think I'm on a similar note, though. I think both are great opens. Both are very crunchy. Both are very um, heavy songs to open. And both kind of describe the rest of the uh, album very, very, very well, with a few exceptions, of course. Um, I do not know which one at the moment I think is better. Um, both are good and both, in my opinion, though, have little bits of problem, in my opinion. Whereas I think Are You Ready kind of comes out as a little too soft at the beginning to transition up, which, which is very Creed, but that's how it is. Uh, and Never Again has weird breakdown only vocal parts. There's a lot of vocal effects that Nick, uh, Nickelback uses throughout this entire uh, album that do not sit right with me. They just don't work in my opinion. Now, I think they're both great. I think for the most part, each are unbelievably solid opens and maybe some of the best in the entire discography for both bands. But I think for my money, I'm going to go away from the crunchy uh, song and go with Are You Ready? Which I think they both have problems, but I see more problems with the vocal effects in Never Again than I do um, Are You Ready? And the only problems I have with Are You Ready only exist for like a second. So... I'd like to 
make a comment, Jacob. I really did appreciate you mentioning about some of the vocal effects that Nickelback use on this record. And it is true. They don't actually bring these vocal effects back on any of their later recordings. Um, Woke up this morning has Chad at one point sounding like he's talking through a a walkie talkie or a speaker um, (laughs) megaphone type of thing like that. That just never came back. Uh, And yeah, for Nickelback, it's kind of, Maybe a little bit odd that Chad's singing over just this bass line and drum groove. He doesn't do that a lot. Sometimes they'll do it, but not very often at all. So, yeah, Mm. it's good points on both. I also think um, just the, I guess the uh, lyrics for an opening, Never Again, obviously, is a quite dark song when you look into what the lyrics mean. Whereas Are You Ready, I very much see it as just a, are you ready for what's to come, which is the rest of the album. And then the countdown is counting down to the end of the song and more of the album. To me, this is literally, you know, the welcome, come on in, come listen to more Creed. It's a bit of a bit of a trap, but that's all good. It's a good trap at this start. I'll divert, so I, I, the, I'll divert the interpretation just a little bit. Uh, the lyric, life, your life has just begun. Maybe it's a metaphor for the start of life. Are you ready? Are you ready for what's to come in life ahead? All honesty... Um, the five, four, three, two, one, I thought was a bit naff, but I can deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I can argue it's naff, but I, I think how they executed that and, and definitely on the voice change and just the grit when the distortion comes back in, Scott really, I don't know. I get this crazy adrenaline rush when that hits. I don't know. Call me nuts. But, um, that, that, that just works for me. That build up. It was quite well done. For someone who finds Scott Stapp's voice typically very, very funny because it's just really fun to impersonate. You can't take it seriously. This was the one song off Human Clay where I could go, okay, yeah, I can take this one seriously. This is a stellar start. Never again for me. I wanted to actually follow up on a point you were making, Ben. I thought the talk box style of vocal is a very signature sound for Nickelback because when you see them at a live show, for example, you have your standard stadium mic and then by the side they have the talk box. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, nothing, nothing's coming to mind on later records for the talk box, but maybe I'm wrong on that. I'll have to... Um, have it to might appear on some of the smaller um, pieces because even trying to think of what the more commercially successful mm. ones on Silver Side Up, I can't think of many with the talk box involved. No, um, that's it. Um, I think because we have to remember this was the first record where they commercially really exploded. Uh, mm-hmm. The state, which was the previous album, was still quite in the grunge roots, more so than this more commercial radio rock sound. This was the beginning of bigger and crazier things in terms of commercial success for Nickelback. And I, I think we could tell the transition was in full effect, especially with what we're going to dive into shortly, How You Remind Me and many mm. others. In mm. conclusion, to complete the trifecta, never again, eh, the fair enough, I guess. Are you ready? Oh, yes, that's... Yes, I'm ready for what's to come. That's my point too. Complete the trifecta. Are you ready is an easy win there. Moving on. Okay, Ben, you've just hinted at it. How You Remind Me versus What If. How You Remind Me is massive. I'm not quite sure why. It's a fairly standard song. Change my mind. Funnily enough, when you talk about Nickelback, a lot of people love the track How You Remind Me. In fact, when the band released it, they were actually super popular like everybody loved Nickelback I know this is kind of unfathomable but it was 2001 and it was Mm. a new band on the scene from Canada and they had this track that to be fair pretty much as soon as you hear it it'll get stuck in your head it's very catchy 
Especially um, those the, opening uh, chord progressions. It's very pleasing on the ear. The ding, 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 ding. It is, it is. And, and we hear, Never made it as a wise man. <laughs> I couldn't cut it as a poor man steal. And, and, and there's just something. You remind me. There's just something about it that it, it, it raises a smile almost instantly as soon as you hear this. Um, this, this song is absolutely iconic. It was actually the biggest selling single of the, the decade of the 2000s until someone the following year, also from Canada named Avril Lavigne, released her track Complicated, which beat out How You Remind Me, which is even more hilarious because Avril and Chad actually were they married. Got married at one point. <laughs> for, for a period of time. Um, so I just think that's, that's just such a fun fact. But yeah, this this was one of the probably the biggest rock song of the two thousands, and it was the launch of this band to come. And they had single after single after this, almost to the point of it being sickening um, to many people because Nickelback just dominated the airwaves in the early da- in the mm. early two thousands. But uh, the film clip to it is quite funny. Uh, Chad Kroger's hairy gets <laughs> compared to a dog uh, quite a lot if you've seen that meme, and. Um, <laughs> I think it's just a fun song. It really is. It's well done. It's so simple. Chad wrote the track in five minutes and it's still a track that lives on in music history all these years later. It's amazing looking into the actual history behind him writing the track because as you said, he wrote it in five minutes. He had an argument with his uh, wife and then wrote, uh, went, went down to his basement and literally just sat there angrily writing what he wanted to say during the argument. And this is the song one of his most yeah. successful songs, the, the most successful song even. It, it, it's crazy. There's a lot of talk in the industry that the tracks you write in five to 10 minutes end up being your biggest. And it must be the simplicity. It just, that mm. has to be it. it. You know, it wasn't overthought. It was just some emotion he had at the time. And yeah, people just seem to connect with this track a lot. I mean, you, you just could not escape it at the time. It was fantastic. I, I don't blame them. That's part of why I love this track so much. Everything about it, it's not complicated. It's super, super digestible. Mm. Um, you guys sung the first uh, line, and after that, my, my initial th- thought was to do the drum fill. The drum fill in this oh, is yeah. one of the most fun. The like It is one of the more fun drum fills to do. And yeah, there's bits of the song that I think are a bit naff, a bit here, there. Uh, yeah. The whole, yeah. Yeah. I, cannot stand that but at the same time that's evened out to me by the uh i think it's in the second chorus the way he says and i've been wrong uh and so on because uh, the way that comes out it's just it's really easy to get into and just almost to me this is one of the best karaoke songs in the world because of how <laughs> easy it is i, I gotta give understand. credit to chad i think chad's voice really does well here to be honest, mm. I think he just absolutely nails this, especially on the on the, uh, the the final bit before the third chorus, where the song starts winding down. We get that really nice light guitar that kind of washes over you a little bit, and then you hear Chad's voice, and you know he's just—it's very soft, it's light, but I think he does well here. I mean, normally he's quite gritty and uh, gruff and so forth, but here I think we we get some nice little shades of how talented he can be. Mm, definitely, we haven't even definitely. discussed what if that just shows how massive how how you remind me has been across the music world all these years but what if i'll start you guys off it's deceptively aggressive that one. Oh, this yeah. is one of 
uh, Creed's heaviest songs. This this is a, a ripper of a track. In fact, if you've watched the music video, highly recommend you those listening to do so. It's actually a reference to Scream Three. So you're going to see David Arquette in it. Um, you get to see uh-huh. Scott Stapp being chased around by the scream guy with the knife. It's it's incredibly <laughs> funny. And um, I knew that um, uh, Jason was already a massive fan of how funny Scott was. So when you combine those two worlds together, it, life just doesn't get any better than this. Mm. Um, I really like this song a lot. Uh, I can't remember how many times the words what if is repeated. I think it's 30 plus or 40 plus. It's, it's outrageous. Like it is repeated for about a minute straight in fairness. Oh, there we are. There we are. About um, approximation. 53 times it's said in this song. Uh, so it is, um, as I said, one of Creed's heaviest songs, although Bullets, which is the opening track of Weather, that's probably their all-time heaviest. And I would actually argue this is more of a metal song than a rock song. I think this, this gets very, very heavy. What I love about it is it's deceptive at the start because it starts off very soft. And even in my eyes, I've got almost medieval-like. Like it sounds like you could play that opening couple notes on, a, on a, like a lute and it's very ominous. And then all of a sudden you hear, I don't, is it a record, record scratch? I'm not sure what you'd call it, but that start to build up and that build up to when it actually kicks off is one of my favorite build-ups in music just because it's so like it gets you really 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 excited and then the chorus itself i think the chorus is better to that of how you remind me honestly um isn't the chorus so just the repetition of what if no it's um what if you did what if you lied of course Mm. yes what what if I avenged what yes. for an eye. Yeah. Fun stuff. It's catchy and mm. simple. Um, and again, I, I think it just shows how heavy these commercial rock bands could be. Because to me, this really goes hard. I mean, another band that comes to mind instantly that was very commercially successful, that was stupidly heavy is Godsmack. I think um, Godsmack have tremendous energy. And here too, just captured beautifully. Great performance from both, but gentlemen, we can only pick one. We can only, I can well, only pick one. Uh, what gonna... if deceptively heavy? How you remind me for me is just it's just inoffensive. It's you know, gets you by. It's fine. I understand that you know it's their biggest song. It's fine. It's inoffensive. I think for me, it's a matter of they're both good. What if would win if it wasn't for the breakdown and what the vocals do? Uh, that is the biggest to me in my notes it literally says ruins an otherwise great song um so for me it has to be how you remind me because it's like this is the smells like teen spirit for nickelback this is their song this is the song that everyone knows when you say nickelback both are fantastic songs both have music videos only one can win and how you remind me is just too important in rock history i think it completely launched this band's career um, and it's kept them big even all these years later. And um, if we're talking longevity, I think Nickelback has done tremendously well. Creed fell off the map after 2001. They disbanded for a long time. But Hey You Remind Me was the start of so many radio hits for Nickelback. And uh, what a journey it's been. Uh, I don't have too much of a dog in this fight. I could go either way and it wouldn't worry me. Uh, eh, sod it. Hey You Remind Me. Don't have much of a dog in that fight, but I'll take how you remind me. Complete the trifecta. Why not? Woke up this morning versus beautiful. I can tell you right now, very confidently, that woke up this morning will not win this for me. Woke up this <laughs> Why morning, is that? Apart, 
apart from the interesting and boppy opening for maybe the first 30 seconds, the guitar riff, the main guitar riff, you get sick of it by second 45, I reckon. Uh, the vocal effect, I not even vocal effects, just how quick he's singing, I despise it. Um, the, the bridge is okay, and the chorus is okay at best, but this is brought down by vocal effects and a repetitive instrumental piece, and I feel like this is, if not throwaway, really experimental where it doesn't need to be. And, like, I'll pull a line from the song, I'm hating all of this. I cannot stand this song. Where do you guys sit on this one? Well, uh, Jacob, I had a very different take to you when Nickelback played Woke Up This Morning Live and I lost my mind. I absolutely love this song. I think the riff is brilliant. I love the various vocal techniques Chad uses and he is talking quite quickly on this. I will say that it's more of a talking kind of part throughout the verses than actually singing. Um, Mm. Really just love the dynamics in this track. The chorus is, it hits and the riff, the rhythm that plays over it, I really like. Um, And Beautiful to me is a great song off a brilliant record from Creed. Uh, However, it's definitely just not one of the top five tracks on the album for me. It kind of, yeah, kind of just doesn't get there. It wasn't as good as what we're, what, what's about to come. So yeah, I think uh, Woke Up This Morning definitely would uh, take the cake for me out of the two. Interesting, interesting. I think Beautiful carries it over just because of that bridge. I agree with you that the song itself is not amazing. I think, honestly, this might be the weakest point on both albums. Um, and that's saying something for later. But um, that, that, that is a brilliant bridge and uh, on that Creed track. And it's something, I don't know if you noticed, Creed do bridges incredibly well. It, mm. They've got a real knack at writing a strong bridge. I also put interestingly on my notes that, uh, and this would have been the first time listening, that the song reminds me for some reason of some of the, I guess, softer stuff that Disturbed had. Um, it has mm-hmm. a lot of the same, I guess, tempo feel to it. Like I'm brought to songs like uh, The Light or something like that. I can draw a lot of comparisons to that. And I'm not the biggest Disturbed fan, but they do have a lot good. And this reminds me of that. If you'd shown me this outside of Creed, you could have convinced me it was Disturbed. And for that reason alone, I think this is going to win it for me. Mm. Nice. Uh, again, no dog of the fight, and I'm both very indifferent to both of these, to be honest. Okay. Woke up this morning. To your point on vocals, Ben, um, chorus vocals are much better than the verses, to be honest. Mm, I do agree with that. Fuzzy Bridge, I've gotten my notes for Woke Up This Morning. Beautiful. I thought it would be a ballad. It seems so. It's not, really. It's a bit more heavier than that. Mm. Um, oh dear, oh dear. Any other arguments you guys got to convince me on either side? The bass in Beautiful, admittedly, it doesn't remind it. I can't think of it at the moment because it's not a song I'm overly familiar with. But I remember the bass in it being on the second listen, one of my favorite things to hear. It was almost just like a breath of fresh air uh, in this song. The bass line is really good, and there's nothing really, there's nothing wrong with the song, it's solid. It's mm. like a very run-of-the-mill, this is your 50% um, type of song. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing to stand out apart from that bridge. It feels... Again, I, yeah, I, I just go back to that production. The bass throughout this whole record, you can hear the drums are crystal, the vocals mm-hmm. sit nicely, the guitar just washes over you, especially the, 
the lighter sections. Just very, very well produced by uh, good old John Kurzweg. Good, good stuff. <sighs> Which one would I seek out more? It's coming down to that for me. So Jacob's gone beautiful and Ben has gone woke up this morning. One final point to sway you. I do agree with Jacob. I think that bridge in beautiful is the best part of either song. Even yeah. though I went the opposite. <laughs> uh, n- neither of these do anything for me. Uh, uh, this could change. I'll put an asterisk on it just because I, I don't, I don't know in the long run where, which one I'm going to be sticking out again. I feel like I'm going to gravitate to beautiful more than I am woke up this morning. So I'll take it, but neither of these do not any than for me. Apologies if that's uh, upset anyone, but, uh, oh, well, no, we're all being honest here. We're all enjoying a nice breakdown of music. A nice breakdown. Speaking about breakdowns, it's too bad, too bad, too bad, too bad versus say hi. Those are the quite songs. Interesting, quite interesting to note. And funny, I never noticed this the first few times I listened to um, Too Bad, how cartoony the bass is. Mm. The uh, the bass line in this song is very odd, but I like it. Um, this song is I'll, fun. Yeah, th- this is a fun song. This is just a rocking out song, just being free and easy. You don't have a care in the world. Uh, I think it's fair to say, too, that the music video for this, it, my, shout out to my friend Ash who pointed this out. There's this point where it comes back from a, a really great guitar solo from Ryan Peake, and then you see the camera just stationary and Chad Kroger's head just peers into the frame in it with a serious look. And it's the funniest thing you'll ever see. So highly recommend checking that checking out that music video as well. Um, but say I has just an absolutely incredible guitar melody throughout this whole thing, especially in the verse sections. I just can't get enough of that, that riff. That How would you I describe know, know, that? Ooh, it's a tricky one to describe. It reminds me a little bit of eighties, testament when alex skolnick would use kind of jazz infused licks into uh their heavy metal there's a little bit of kind of jazz going on here i think it's definitely an inspiration it's it's a hard one to describe but it's 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 just this gorgeous pattern that plays over and over and scott's voice i think it's not as gritty over these light sections and it sounds beautiful it's it (laughs) even though the track's not called beautiful um yeah, I, I cannot go past Say I. It's an absolute favourite of mine on the record. It's not the best on the album, but um, it's also worth mentioning in the chorus, Mark sometimes kind of breaks away from the normal riffing and he'll add a little bit of extra flair. Which is a, another thing that he does on the track Higher as well, which was a massive commercial hit, which we'll look at later on. But um, curious on your guys' thoughts, but uh, I think I know where I'm going to go with this one. I, I think for myself, I'm very much leaning towards Too Bad. Too much of a fun song to ignore. And as much as I do, don't mind Say I, to me, it was a very boring track. Um, nothing stood out. Uh, the only thing that really stood out even was um, the extra vocal line. Somebody, there's almost a layering of vocals uh, in the bridge that was just way too much. And to me, that kind of brought what was an okay song one that I could listen to again to something where I'd get through the second chorus and skip it then because I don't want to hear what was honestly just a jumbled mess of vocals that don't sound like they're singing. 
Um, that and the verses feel empty. I know that might be the point of it, but it feels very empty. Like I get this vibe that I've been lost in a desert and Scott Sapp is like singing to me somewhere. That's just <laughs> the whole vibe. There's these weird Egyptian kind of Middle Eastern undertones throughout this whole record. I can't mm. quite explain it, but it's this theme that I keep getting. I'm so glad you said that, Ben. In my notes for Say I, you could use the instrumentation for an Egyptian nature documentary. It's very true. It's very true. And there has to be something to this because there's a lot of albums I love that have kind of that similar theme. I'd even point to Iron Maiden with their Power Slave record, which has got kind of a lot of Egyptian themes to it. Godsmack with um, their album, Not Awake. It's the one after, the one with I Stand Alone, Faceless. That's, that's got sand on the cover and a face and it's very Egyptian sounding as well. Um, yeah, and that almost should have been the comparison. It should have been human clay versus um, uh, faceless because they're both so sandy. <laughs> um, but, uh, this I, music I, I, is I, sandy. It is. It's, it's a new genre. Get on it. Um, I, I do want to mention also with Say I, um, this line was penned before the band came up with the album title, but the dust has finally settled on the field of human clay. And then they yes. liked, they liked human clay and that became the title of the record. Since mm. we're now talking about the title of the record, can I just point something out, Ben, on an episode of Mosh Pit a couple of weeks ago, we wanted to dedicate some time to talk about the importance of album art and cover art and all that kind of thing. Can I just get this statement off my chest right now? I personally believe the human clay cover art is one of the worst in rock. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what? If someone gave me the vinyl of this, I'd be absolutely ecstatic. I love the cover. I don't know why. Maybe I just love the music too much. But to me, the cover really... It, the music does feel like it belongs with that cover on it. The cover reminds me of very much the bad CGI of this time. It reminds me of, you know, the, <laughs> That's a like good Scorpion King. That's what <laughs> it makes me think of. Mummy Returns. It doesn't make me think, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to some really... I don't want to say laid back, some more epic style rock. Instead, I just go, oh, I'm going to listen to some crap. I, I think it's fair to say neither of these album covers are overly great. I don't think the Nickelback one's very good either. No. no. I think that's very poorly Photoshopped if Photoshop was a thing in 2001. If we, if we look to the follow-up Nickelback album, um, The Long Road, I actually think that's a brilliant cover. I really like it. Mm. It's simple, but, but it looks, it's a bridge and... <laughs> that's about it um i like bridges what can i say um speaking of which boys it's uh it's it's time we make a decision and cross over that bridge and move to the uh the following track which, which one are we gonna go with too bad easily it, it's it's anything but too bad it is honestly too good for this album honest if i'm being completely honest so th th this would be the favorite track of the record for you i would argue so this is the the uh, maybe how you remind me i'd put on more just because it's how you remind me but if i was to choose one for pure enjoyment this is it the way yeah, i described too bad was uh oh god there's tin can snare and the drums no and uh <laughs> in fairness chorus i originally wrote on listen number one i was indifferent to and now i've gone given it an extra listen and i went eh it's fair enough Bit of a, there's a bit of a lead guitar at the end that I wish went somewhere. That's what I've written in my notes retrospectively. Um, yeah. re re really appreciate the, the tin can snare observation, uh, which is Ryan Vickadell who played 
with Nickelback for a few records. The last album he appeared on was Long Road, which also has that tin can snare. I can't get enough of it though, because unlike St. Anger with Metallica, where they completely just bastardize that snare drum, I think here it's, it's done well enough that it still kind of gives some nice kinetic energy and it's not too overpowering in the mix. So yeah, I, I think I think I think it's good. But yeah, I'm gonna have to go say I that melody throughout the verses with the guitar. Mark Tremonti, he is just so underrated at how good he is at doing this. He's done it his whole career. He always comes up with beautiful melodies on the guitar. So say I wins for me. I'm with you, Ben. Say I uh, I became more curious as to the music and sonic picture from the bridge, like the vocals and the bridge, it felt almost psychedelic really. Cause it's panning yeah. across all the channels. If you're listening yeah. with headphones yeah, uh, the, again, the, yeah. I described the verse rips as enchanted. I got, I used a bit more descriptive verbiage cause you know, smart Alec, but no, there's a lot more curiosity about in say I for me. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. I think the guitar work you'd almost call intriguing. It kind of draws you in. You want to know where, where, where's the song going to go. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm. Certainly so. We'll get a quick score update right now. Uh, we'll start off with Ben, our Nickelback and Creed fanatic. He, he is that a stalemate to all? Oh, how about right that? Right down the middle. Right down the middle. So are you, Jacob. Oh, okay. However, for me, Creed is in the lead three to one. Oh, wow. Ooh, okay. Gee. Oh, indeed. It's a very tight race. I didn't expect that. This is a battle to see who's the least worst, but it's tight, surprisingly. Okay. Just Four versus Wrong Way. Just Four, the hook is, yes, I do. And Wrong Way is just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely adore how Chad Kroger sings the verse in this song. I just can't, I can't get enough of that hook. And to me, it's, that's not an overly Nickelback melody. Like mm. that, that, that style of Chad holding those really long notes. He doesn't do that a lot, at least not to me. I, I, th- I think, I think that's brilliant. And then it's a pretty typical Nickelback chorus in this track. It's, it's rock and roll. It's a bit of fun, plenty of energy, but Wrong Way is just so good. Like, there's a riff in it, and I mentioned this earlier on to the boys, that um, there's a riff midway through this song. It just punches you in the face. It sounds so heavy. Um, the distortion on the guitar is just fantastic from Mark Tremonti. As always, I'm going to praise him all the time. And I As just love... Yeah, I just, I just love, the again, the, the, the melody over this song. Um, and credit to Scott, I do think he really does go pretty hard. Like to to hit some of those vocal lines with that much grit and that much energy, Jason, I, I don't think you could half do that. I think you'd have to put a lot of effort into into getting that right. Perhaps. I'm I'm not exactly a singer, so all I, the best I can do is just poor imitations. So yeah. unfortunately <laughs> that's all I can offer. Um conversely, Ben. I started thinking that the Human Clay album just starts very similar to every other track. I was thinking it starts again with an intricate uh, guitar riff, clean guitar riff. And I'm starting to think, I think almost all of these songs off Human Clay are sounding like that. And I'm saying, okay, they're going to change it up yet. But it's a, the first half of the song is very simmering. And then it goes bang. Con, uh, in contrast, Just Fall. 
I think I might be ruining this for you, Ben, but for some reason I wrote down in my notes, it sounded a tiny, tiny bit, just a tiny little bit, like Smells Like Teen Spirit. Oh, with the riff? I can the hear riff, that. riff, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no. I never, and never it does the loud, up. soft, loud thing that Nirvana would do. Yeah. Mm. Nah, that, 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 is, that is good fun. Um, yeah, I th- yeah, no, good points. I don't think I've ever picked up on that, but yeah, I can hear it. That's, mm. that's saying something too, because I quite like this song. I think it's, look, it's nothing um, overly great, great, but I agree with Ben on the verses and how it's sung and the instrumental part of it is just, oh, I kill for this type of verse. Chorus, as you said, it's very standard Nickelback. Um, then I think I'm in a separate camp to you guys. I preferred when Kroger let it rip. I wasn't that all in on the verses. Uh, interesting to note, this track is probably the closest we get to Curb Nickelback or The State, which were the two previous records, and that's when they were more heavy grunge. Right, duly uh, noted. So, yeah, I think this is kind of a bit of a throwback, and if this was something Jacob enjoyed, the State would probably be his favourite album, which has the single Leader of Men on it, which is a great song, The Leader of Men, rather. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, though, for Wrong Way, I just could not get into this. This is, I think, as Jason said, this is another one where they start the exact same way. And for me, that this is where that starts to get old, um, that same slow, ominous, echoey, intricate opening. And, yeah, the song is all right. Um, and it's got some crunch to it. Uh, and I reckon the second half of the song is a million times better than the first once they start actually building up and there's something back to it. But that takes too long to get to one of the better songs on this album. It's I went, half great, half terrible. I, uh, I, I went in hard on that riff on Wrong Way by Creed. I, I complimented how good it was. And I think that's part of the charm and the craft is when the band are so light for so long and then they hit you in the face with like a heavy riff and i think that's why it all just kind of works in a sense i know i know it's been done to death but also on what jason mentioned yes i've listened to all four creed records a ridiculous amount of times and as far as sameness goes and formula this album everything does blend together i think a lot more especially than weathered or my own prison um, Human Clay's the worst offender. All right. Okay. Definitely in terms of the idea of this light guitar into a heavy chorus and then light again and so forth, I think, yeah, this album does do that probably a little bit too heavily. Right. Just for me, I think I'll start the final uh, decision for this one. This came down to wrong way. The only takeaway from that is, yeah, yeah. Because that gets stuck in your head really, really quickly. Everything else is just... Eh. But just for, uh, again, pretty indifferent, bit Nirvana structured, dare I say. Once again, if, if, if I'm completely wrong, please do fact check me because I'd much rather be wrong on that one. Uh, I liked it better when Kroger let it out a little bit more. So maybe that's the reason I'm going to take just for. Mm. No, I think, I, think, I think I'm going to agree with you on just for slightly different reason. And look, I mean, as I said, Wrong Way has all the potential in the world. The problem is it waits until about two minutes into a four-minute song to really let out this amazing song. So for me, it's going to go with 
just for just because it's consistently really really good whereas i think the best part of wrong way is better than just for but it's so much bad before the good as we head to the crossroads of both these albums we're getting right into the middle i think and i'm not going to reveal yet i think one album actually picks up and gets a lot better and one album actually dips and gets worse from here but with that said, I think Just Four is one of the best tracks off this record by Nickelback. I, I go to it a lot. I really do like this song. It's, a, it's definitely one of my favourites off it. Um, it's good stuff. But yeah, shout out to that riff on uh, Wrong Way. That, that, that is one of the best riffs of that record. But um, Nickelback got it. So is it a trifecta? We're all taking Just Four, are we? Seems yes, to be. Interesting. Interesting. Once again... I'm indifferent to just for it's like it's the personification of the phrase just about bearable for me at least. Ah well. Yeah. Moving on now, uh, Hollywood versus Faceless Man, which is actually wrong way tr- doesn't truly end. It just transitions into Faceless Man once again. Same style of intro, however, it's still that same mm. melodic clean guitar intro. But I will say I think it is the hidden gem of Human Clay. I'm about to make a statement that all the listeners listening and you guys are allowed to freely laugh at. Uh, Faceless Man is in my top 100 songs of all time. This is an absolute favourite track of mine. I cannot get enough of it. I think it's absolutely incredible. Everything about it. Love the guitar melody. Love Scott and just, you know, how his voice just slowly starts going through this song. And then, oh my gosh, you, you know that joke or that meme of a person listening to Kill Switch Engage and they've got their fists in the air and they've got a tear in their eye? That's me listening to the last two minutes of this song. You know, I'm just tearing up and I'm just pumping away. It's, uh, I, I, it, it, it's incredible. Hollywood is more run-of-the-mill Nickelback, oh, I yes. guess. And, yeah. to, and to be honest, it's, it's, it's just a very forgettable number from them. And for the most part... Their songs generally always stick in my head, but Hollywood just doesn't quite get there. It only clocks in just over three minutes. Um, it would work Man, if you were surrounded by a trailer park environment. It would work much better, I think, <laughs> definitely, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's half the problem. I just was in the wrong environment. But, um, I mean, Jason, take me through it. And, boys, a Faceless Man, what was our thought on it and uh, Hollywood? I'm interested in Jake's I- take, actually. I almost completely agree with Ben here. Faceless Man uh, and, and uh, Jason too. Faceless Man is, I don't think it's the best. I think the best is yet to come. But I would call this second or third best on the entire album. Uh, in between both albums even. Um, it takes so long with this soft, really relaxing, almost acoustic type of sound. And yeah, eventually drums pop into that. But even then, it's still very much just a... Um, it's just sat almost just going along with these drums, these acoustic sounds, and just relaxing through it. And then it picks up once, just a little bit. You start to get the heavier electric, and it sits there sits very well through there. Sap sticks up, uh, picks up again. It all complements itself. And then again, later on, it picks up a little bit more. And the transition is perfect. I think the second set of heavy pickup is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and the bridge itself, again, great. To me, this is the song that I would, you know, if someone asked me, can you describe what a Creed song, that, like what a really good Creed song would sound like? 
this is it. Especially, the, especially yep. one that goes under the radar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is a very underrated track, this one, but oh, man. It's, it's interesting because it does start with that formula. And I think it does have the patented Creed formula of really soft, really heavy, really soft, heavier than before. But this does it the best out of all of them, in my opinion. Whereas Hollywood, I it's another one I just don't like. It's very, as you said, run-of-the-mill Nickelback, and it's not a good run-of-the-mill Nickelback. Um, it's got that very country timbre. I can't imagine hearing this naturally outside of uh, a rodeo or something that I would not be at. And like <sighs> the guitar, I don't like it following the vocals directly the way they do. I don't like the almost robotic vocals um, that he used. This is where the effects really start to annoy me. Um, to me, this song is very throwaway, very skippable, very eh. So for me, th- th- I can't look past Faceless Man. It's so good. So even though, Jacob, you're, you admit you're not a big Creed fan by any means, um, their formula can actually work if it's executed the right way. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely think this is both with both of these bands. There's potential. There was, I guess, potential for was. Oh, this kind oh, of creed, music. Yes. Yeah, for this kind of song to be on almost every album, almost every type of song. Um, obviously, with alterations and stuff. But this is perfect Creed. This is what Creed should have been, in my mind. I also want to shout out that even though this was quite a massive commercial record, it's really nice to see Faceless Man clocking in at just shy of six minutes. And they do it again with uh, Wash Away Those Tears, which goes a little over six minutes as well. So I'm liking this length that we got going. It's a little bit of a Mm. far cry from what a lot of these bands were doing at the time. It gives breath and room for that formula for the soft to heavy. It gives the transition to not be jarring. It actually lets it breathe in that space, which is part of why the song works so well. And to elaborate on that composition, what are those compositions? How does it make you feel? Because I know me personally, it emits like that one versus all spiritual journey, uh, staring that, staring the, the, the challenge at head and ta- taking it on at full force. That's the, that's the feeling I get. It amps you up. It's like, I'm going to take on the world against this faceless man. What does it make you feel? I kind yeah. of get that. Yeah, to me, this feels like the most religious sounding Creed song I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like you, you're, you're at the gates of heaven. And I don't know, there's just something. Or, or actually, you know what? I always see a river when I listen to this song for whatever reason and like in a boat streaming, I don't know. (laughs) I was thinking desert me. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I do. um, For those listening to uh, great metal standoff, firstly, thank you. You're the best. But if there was one track on the record to give a try that I probably think you would not have heard unless you heard the album, I think faceless man's probably the one. Mm. I think it's got the most to offer. Yeah, definitely. Certainly. So, so, all three of us are taking Faceless Man. That's a, that's a well-deserved point, I reckon. Mm. Faceless Man, hidden gem off it. Can I just mention, I would have been pretty crushed if neither of you guys thought that song was any good. So I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that we can agree on that one. Lovely. Next up, uh, well, we were talking about Hollywood being a bit run of the mill. This is probably one of my run of the mills. Money Bought versus Never Die. Yeah, shout out to Never Die by Creed and Scott Phillips, who just does such a tremendous bit of flair on the drum work here. I'm hoping you guys notice the cymbal patterns keep changing. He'll go, ting, and then there'll be a bit of silence, which is a very 
It's a drum technique that isn't done enough in my opinion, but he adds these nice little flourishes throughout this track that kind of bring it to another level. Mark Tremonti, again, he's doing his typical light guitar work that, you know, it's kind of been drilled into our head. He's so good at it. He just keeps doing it. Um, I love Never Die. I think it's a great song. It's an underrated Creed track. And we're about to hit two monsters after it. But yeah, Money Bought is... Here's the problem with a lot of Nickelback records. I think there's always some really great deep hidden cuts throughout, especially the, the next three to four albums that follow. Whereas on this Silver Side Up album, it seems as if things just kind of got a little lost in translation from here on out. Hangnail is tremendous. We'll get to that in a bit. But uh, Moneyboard is just a three minute 25 hard rock track, well produced. It's a bit of fun, but at the end of the day, I don't think it has much to say. Interesting, interesting. I, I'm not sure where I sit on this, to be honest. Um, I wasn't actually the biggest fan of Never Die, interestingly. Uh, I thought huh. it dragged on a little bit. The bridge was okay. Um, the vocal melody annoyed the hell out of me. I found the chorus to be boring. The drums were okay, as any song in Creed is. The drums are always good. Um, but this, to me, just it was one of the most boring songs for me i didn't like the vocals the bass of course was good but this is a song that made me want to skip it um i listened to it and always i got a headache um i could not stand the opening this just this song to me is a huge no and i can't really put my finger on why um i think it might be like the, the, even the opening just the, the it's another like, clean intricate open jacob yeah. Another one. Another one. Another one. How many have we had in a row? Four, five. Mm. And I think because that that carries through the whole time, it just gets to me a little bit too much. Whereas I money bought's nothing special, admittedly. Um, but it's a fun Nickelback tune. It's if I if I was at a pub or something and it popped on, I could see myself tapping my foot along with it. Um, maybe not anything more than that, though. It's, this, this has literally come down to, I don't like Never Die. These are my notes, Jacob, on Moneyboard. Drums are fine. Indifferent riff, indifferent vocals. It sounds like something out of a rich jock house party. Yeah. And then on the second I, listen, I was like, well, oh, maybe, maybe lyrically it's a bit of a piss take. Mm. I don't know. That's, that's all I have terrible. on Moneyboard, Ben. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know what whether they just rushed out some of the songs on this one. Well, well, that, well, actually, I do know the answer to that. That's not true at all. In fact, a lot of the tracks on Silver Side Up were being performed live before the state was even released, which That's that right. album came out years before. So these songs have been lying around for a while, but the transition from the songs live to the studio record, at least in the back half of this album, just didn't quite come together as much as I think later tracks, later albums did rather. Right. Yeah, no argument there. Right. Final decisions, where are we lying? Money. Yeah, I, think, I, I, uh, I, th- I think Never Die, but I do agree with Jacob. It's, it's a very repetitive riff. Even in the chorus, it's still the same riff. It's just gone from light to distortion. Mm. So, yeah, but ne- Never Die for me. I love the drums in it. I think they're, they're fantastic. And Scott, again, he's just, oh, good stuff, fun stuff. I wanted to ask you about a certain interpretation I had, Ben. Would it be valid to say Never Dies maybe the grungiest, like grungy, grungiest air quotes song on human clay? Yes, correct. Absolutely. 
I that's a fair statement. That's a very fair statement. Um, I think the chorus for sure. So let the children pray. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can hear that. Absolutely. Mm. Fair, yeah, fair point. And vocally, we also have that small return to, you know, that psychedelic feel vocally in Beautiful, where around about, uh, around about the bridge, I think, again, Ben, there's some vocals panning across both channels of your speakers or of your headphones or whatever, whatever it is you're listening to. And, and that leaves curiosity, it leaves a bit of intrigue. It's another great bridge, too. It's, it's just something they seem to really do well. Um, if you want to know why I've listened to this album so many times, it's these light guitar parts and these vocal melodies and the bridge. I understand to some people like some of this would sound quite boring, but I don't know. It always drew me back for whatever reason. It just intrigued me. See, I quite, quite dig it. I don't go that far, Ben. They don't really draw me back. They, I just let them pass and it's like, all right, great. But yeah, no, I would, bad. I would take Never Die Over Moneyball, which just does nothing. I think I, upon listening to it a couple other times, but just before recording, it's like, oh, actually, yeah, you're not so bad. It's you know, it's a bit, it's become quite endearing. But I, I think I'd take Never Die Over Moneyball. <laughs> All right, score check. How's this sound? Let's go to the scores. For myself, Creed is in the lead, five to two, and good God Almighty, Ben, three all. Yeah, this wow. is crazy. This is honestly far closer than I was expecting it to be. Actually, I've been corrected. It's 4-3, Human Clay. 4-3, okay. I've been corrected. Uh, Jacob Nickelback is in the lead. Silver side up, 4-3. to three. That won't last. Uh, that won't last because the next tracks in Creed's uh, Human Clay are the best, arguably oh, the best Creed songs. I cannot wait to talk about this. Where do I hide versus with arms wide open? Ah, let's begin with arms wide open. I don't even care what it goes against. Where do I hide is an upgrade from Hollywood and money bought. But think of the memes with arms wide open. Just the meme factor alone. See, the the sad part is I actually really like the song. It is unironically such a slow. Yeah, unironically, brave man. Busy kicks in. Uh, it's soft yet powerful. Um, it's a great rock ballad. Uh, let's be honest. Later on, they start strumming along with the beat, uh, like just a with every um, I guess bigger point of the lyrics. Um, it starts with the heartbeat, which is symbolic to what the song was actually written about. Obviously, being uh, Scott Stapp uh, writing this for his kid once he found out he was going to be a father, uh, mm. with the intention of you know, don't get too stuck in religion, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think the vocals, this is Creed ballad perfection. Uh, it's not busy. It's really easy to digest. There's nothing I don't like about this song, to be honest. Yeah, this is, um, this is just an absolute classic, this track with arms wide open. Scott Stapp, he wrote the lyrics when he found out, as, as, you, as we can tell from the lyrics, that with great surprise, he was going to be a father, which yeah. um, was really nice. And we know that from the opening line. Well, I just heard the news today. today. It, it, it's, it's classic. It is so it, similar to how you remind me with Never Made It As Wise Man. Just They're probably like the two lines that you think of immediately when you think of these records. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Jacob. This song isn't too busy. Um, no. And another great Mark Tremonti 
light guitar piece and also i really love the power chord even though it's still light when the drums kick in on the chorus it Mm. sounds really nice and it sounds like you're being uh, something's just washed over you i used that earlier but i'm gonna say it again because they do it quite well um funny to note this track went number one in the u.s it's it's creed's only ever number one hit uh for one week (laughs) (laughs) The Battle of the Rock World was defined by that for a week. November 11, 2000. God, so that would have been around about my first birthday. The week of my first birthday, the Rock World was defined by with arms wide open. That is hilarious. (laughs) There's three versions of this song. You've got one, which is the original album version, which again doesn't have strings. Then we've got the radio edit. And then we've also got the strings remix and they're all good versions, but I actually like it without the strings. Um, which is funny because another track that kind of reminds me of this is, um, drops of Jupiter by train. But if you were to take away the strings in drops of Jupiter, it wouldn't be the same song in my opinion. However, with, with arms wide open, brilliant. It, 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 it's really fun stuff, but also it went number one in Canada, uh, for Australia, it hit number four peak position. Um, <laughs> So didn't quite do as well, but uh, th- this is a song that still lives on in karaoke uh, to this day. We're also forgetting real, one I thing: need... with arms wide open, won them a Grammy. It, it certainly it did, did. Yeah, Mark Tremonti yeah. has a Grammy for with arms wide open, but he doesn't have one for Alter Bridge, and I think that is that is terrible to think about. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder, and I, I strongly believe Alter Bridge are just a victim of timing they formed when rock music was starting to be on the decline in terms of Mm -hmm. commercial success. Whereas Creed were right in that hotbed of the late nineties, early two thousands when people were still actively buying CDs like crazy. Yeah. Just, just a, a a bit of a timing issue. It makes me wonder if Alter Bridge were in the nineties, like what would that have looked like? I'm sure they would have been. They probably would have been one of the most successful bands of the two thousands. And probably well respected. And they too. still are even now, though. That's the thing. Yeah. They may have been the biggest mm. then, but they still are, regardless oh, of forming absolutely. in two thousand four. But mm. both been um, both been incredibly successful bands. So that's a credit to Mark and and the rest of the band, and also Miles as well, who does a oh, phenomenal. I love Miles Kennedy singing. But phenomenal. this is just Jason. Take take me through with arms wide open. Where's your head at when you listen to this song? Does it bring you joy? It brings me barrels of laughs. <laughs> Backfuls <laughs> of laughs. Yeah. It, it's Scott Stapp at his most nasally. The song is so naive. The song is so soppy. It, it makes it it makes me cringe so much. But I will listen to that any day of the week, other than Where Do I Hide? We haven't even talked about it. And I consider Where Do I Hide an upgrade after the last few songs on Nickelback. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I think Where Do I Hide is actually one of the better cuts later in the record. Um, yeah. It, it, it's heavy. Oh, one final thing while I think about it. On with arms wide open. If the song's not funny enough, Scott Stapp's singing on top of a mountain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Takes this yes. to an absolute another level. It just, it's the best thing you've ever seen. And uh, they, they back this up. We're going to get to higher soon. But oh my gosh, that video is funny as anything too. Oh my God. Um, mm. But, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, with arms wide open, I understand it is 
an incredibly moving ballad, but I just see it's such hot garbage that I can't just not laugh at it, but not love it at the same time. Well, I think it had <laughs> that appeal, Jason. I think there were people that genuinely liked the song, but then there were also people that thought it was just so blatantly over the top and silly. And regardless, it had people talking. And you know what? It's better to be talked about in one way or another than to be ignored. Every artist wants people to listen to their art. Any press is better than no press. That's it. You know, I'll just ask Fred Durst. He'll tell you all about it. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Very true. And also, I'm just going to bring your attention to one thing. The way he pronounces the word open is also just, it's just perfect. We're all wide open. It's incredibly Uh, weird. Isn't it how he says that? Mm. Who pronounces that word that way? Who? Yes. I'm still convinced it's not the word open. It's open. But yes, <laughs> I've never, I've never thought all the years of listening to that song. I've never realised how weirdly he says that until you just pointed it out. The thing is, the last time he says it in the song, he says it perfectly. He says it fine. Yes. yes, open right, right at the end. Open. Yeah, Which, I like it. Yeah, I, I like that note hold at the end of that track. Actually, what open? Uh, it's 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 so good. So much fun. I'm, I'm sorry, I have not been able to take this seriously. Can, can we just all give a point with arms wide open and move absolutely. on? Absolutely. That 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 is sure. the um, killer cut. I also want to mention. I'm always fascinated. Where do you put a hit single on an album? And for me. Creed always struck me as really odd that track eight and track nine of your record would have the big, the big hits on it. Yeah. That to me, it makes no sense. Um, no, maybe the idea was that, well, you liked what you heard on the radio, you bought the record. So we want you to listen to seven songs before you get to it. I'm not sure. I'd love to know how that comes about. Personally, if I was looking at it from that standpoint, I'd mix it up, put, put, either um, arms wide open or higher, of course, the next one, put them on separate ends of the album. Mm. So yeah, if you want yeah. one hit, it's song three. If you want the other hit, it's song nine. You That's have it. to listen to everything. That would be the way to do it. I agree. We laugh and we laugh all day, but with arms wide open, easily getting the points just based on comedy alone. But just a quick sentence on where do I hide? Uh, as much as I didn't like the verse vocals, it did sound like something that you'd hear in the action uh, the soundtrack of an action film, admittedly, hey? It did feel sim- it did kind of feel like it'd be on a backing CD of a Spider-Man movie or something like that. Just one of those extra songs. Although I guess they did get Chad Kroger for Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire. So I guess I'm not too far off. Um, he, he, well, it, it was a Chad Kroger solo song called Hero. It's good stuff. It's even got um, Tyler Connolly, who formed the band Theory of a Dead Man, uh, not, God, not long afterwards man. either. So, <laughs> so um, the, the Canadian Canadian bands are coming back. But um, where do I hide? It's it's a Nickelback song. It's just not one that I think anyone would really point to when they discuss that the band's best work. Nah. Yeah. Fun, right. fun bit of rock. It's it, it, it's harmless. It's it's not terrible by any means. I think it's it's just a little bit on the bland side. Again, yeah, super bland. But uh, y- you can get by just not much substance to it. All right, <laughs> hangnail versus higher. Let's just get hangnail out of the out of the way immediately, just because we know where the points I think going to go. Let's talk about hangnail. 
I love Hangnail. I think Hangnail is probably the best track on the second half of the record. Um, not just that, but Nickelback actually uh, played it live on the, the recent tour I saw them on last year and I lost my mind. It was a, a, a cut that I did not expect to hear. And it's a great song. It's a really rocking track. The riff, the opening riff's good to it as well. Like quite good. It ca- captures your attention very quickly. And um, yeah, just a lot of, lot of energy on this one. It, I really like this song. I, it goes quite hard. It's one of the best of the record for me. Um, where, where, where are you guys feeling on that track? Most forgettable. Oh, hang now. Really? My first note is it feels extremely skippable. Wow. It's there. It feels throwaway as anything. Mm, interesting. Do we all agree that Higher is a better song? I think so. <laughs> oh, I think Higher. Should, uh, Talk about let's uplifting. Let's go there. Oh, then. So it, 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 it certainly is. Um, you know, uh, I have mentioned it. It's been mentioned on the podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan of both these bands. And I'm also the guy when he goes sh- uh, shopping to the supermarket to buy chips, he buys chicken souvlaki flavor. Um, so, you know, may- maybe my taste shouldn't be taken too much into consideration. But with that said, I think Hire is just a tremendous piece of n- what, what the 90s was all about. It was a bit of fun. It was a bit crazy. But also, um, one thing that this track does incredibly well is it showcases Mark Tremonti's flair on the guitar um, because Mark was actually a massive fan of 80s and 90s uh, thrash metal, which you'd never know listening to Creed. But he definitely wanted to be a band that was relevant at the time. But there's really nice little licks that come in throughout the chorus. Um, the light chords, which are you know, very nice throughout the song. I think the vocals match beautifully with the drum line and the bass. The bass is doing nice little flourishes here and there. I quite like it. But this track does not fully come together unless we talk about the film clip. Gentlemen, one of the best frames of music video history is right here for you to enjoy. Oh boy. For, the, for, for reference, um, Ben has put something, sent something to both of us and oh yeah. boy. Yeah, um, so, is that uh, from the video? That is from the music video. That, that is the closing part of the chorus when uh, Scott literally does a Jesus Christ dive oh, into gosh. the crowd. Um, wh- wh- one, one thing this clip does so well is it, it loves using these freeze frames and then the camera will pan around and the whole band's frozen. And maybe it's incredibly dated technique, but I kind of want music videos to bring this back. I think it just looks so funny and so silly, but I love it. it, it <laughs> um, uh, I'm really happy to say I've seen this music video numerous times at many bowling alleys over the year. And that seems to be where Creed's career is these days, just being <laughs> played play at bowling alleys that ha- haven't updated their, their PA system in about 15 years. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was kind of a precursor to me getting back into Creed. Um, that this clip was playing at a bowling alley and friend Simon goes, Hey, are you in the Creed? And I said, I, you know, I never really listened to them. And then a week later, at the op shop it must have been fate it must have been human clay <laughs> loving the pun i'm gonna i'm gonna shock your i'm gonna shock you out of your shoes ben higher confuses me i do not get why this song was as big as it was uh, do, do you think though it sounds it just sounds iconic like it's just it sounds anthemic i'm not gonna deny mm. that 
there's the, just the, the, yeah def, yeah the, the, to me i listen to this and i go there's no way this wasn't going to take off like it just everything about it it's got so much character to it oh uh, i was gonna i was my original counterpoint was going to be i wish are you ready was a single than higher but in in fairness, I think subsequently Are You Ready did become a single later on. But songs like Faceless Man or maybe a What If, I'd, I'd take that over higher any other day. Are Ready. You Ready was the fourth single and the final mm. single. So we had Higher, which came out August 24th, 99. What If, Jan 31st, 2000. With Arms Wide Open, which is really bizarre that that was the third single, but it ended up being the biggest one of the band's career. Um, and Are You Ready not long after that. Jacob... I really, really appreciated the fact that that classic piece of rock history of how you remind me really kind of went down well with you. How did higher go? I don't, I don't know how to feel. I'm with Jason. This song, this song baffles me. I love it, but it also baffles me because the verses, I think the verses are perfect creed. The build up is perfect creed. The chorus is extremely disappointing. And that's not saying that the chorus is bad. This is why I don't get this song because it builds up and it builds up and it builds up and then you get a chorus that doesn't go anywhere. It I won't. I'm the, not going to go that verse, far to agree up. with you on that one, Jacob. I can understand it. It does build, but I just see it as a piece of comedy again. It's just funny. Yeah, um, I I'm, I don't see as uh, with arms wide open as much as comedy as I see higher, but higher, yeah, it's um, for me. It's that let's go there. Like <laughs> this song, it's just—I don't know. This is the meme song for me. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, Ben. Instrumentally, that little twiddly bit by Tremonti in the chorus, you know, can you take me higher? Yeah, that's that's nice song. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun because what I like is they're they're not double taping any of the guitar work. You know, the riff stops when he does that. It's all in one take. It, it feels raw. It feels live. It feels real. And, oh, man, it, this song, for me, it's actually good. I, I don't hear this song in shopping centres anymore because I would be air guitaring so hard. Like, that chorus gets me so amped. It, it's um, f- fun, fun, fun stuff. I just, I can't get enough of it. This, this track, to me, is perfect, Creed. And, and the song's all about lucid dreaming, in case those were wondering. Mm. Nice. <laughs> well, it is a dreamy-sounding song. Mm, definitely. No, it's... um. It, it, this is good. I think the next one um, that follows this really has something important to say. And it's definitely... It, probably the next track kind of reminds me a bit more of Faceless Man, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Where are we going with our scores? It has to be higher. I don't mind. I was going to say I don't mind Hangnail, but I don't think about Hangnail. Whereas higher, every now and then I'll get that like feeling where it's, you know, I need to do the Scott Stapp voice. Yep. And it's this song that I go for just because of the, can you take me higher? It's so baritone. Um, I like that, Jacob. Can, can we also compliment the intro? I think... And then when the, the snare kicks in again, I, I complimented how beautiful that snare sounds, but I love that. And then it's just distortion all over your ears and fun stuff. Fun stuff. Good times had by all. Um, for the exact same reasons Jacob has said, I'm going to take higher with him. Ben, 
Where are your points lying? Oh, higher all the way. It's um, probably the track that really got me in the creed. I love it. Yeah, well, we had to get a final answer somehow. A score update just as we head into the final uh, phase of this battle. Uh, for myself, Creed is well in the lead, 7-2. to two. Ben, Creed has started pulling away, 6-3. to three. Jacob, it is still tight, and it is still all to play for, 5-4 with human clay. It's mm. interesting. It's, it's really disappointing going into the next couple because I know where my points are going, and... Yeah, this is this is going to be a little bit of a washout from my perspective so far. Ooh, Unless you guys can sway me. Okay. Let's take it in. Now, the gold star rule is going to uh, kick in at the end of this battle, but this is the, the final head-to-head. Good times gone. The final track of Silver Side Up versus Wash Away Those Years, it says uh, here. I was a bit surprised when you said tears, but I think it is years. Wash Away Those Years mm. by Creed, Human Clay, the penultimate track. Also, the longest song of Human Clay. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I thought yeah, the the word tears is in that chorus. I'm pretty certain. Right. Um, it's good alliteration, but, in fairness. Yeah, mm. it's um, yeah. Uh, do, would you like me to uh, open this one up? Let's let's give that a try. Um, Go ahead. Wash away those years. Is I think I'm I'm guessing you guys probably were able to work this out. It's about a woman uh, a woman who had been wronged. Um, abused uh, sexually and trying to kind of get through that on the other side and kind of coming to terms with what, what, what's happened. And I think for the most part, Scott Stapp actually does a pretty good job at being able to sound quite sincere in this. To me, he's not like, it does sound as if he really is moved by this story and he, he does care about what's happened and he's kind of trying to console and offer some uh, some insight into how to kind of move forward with it. Um, the instrumental, I think, here is is again, it's classic Mark, it's Tremonti, it's nice and light guitar, um, very melodic, great melody as always. It's it's what this band does quite well, and I really really love similar to what with Arms Wide Open do, where he'll hit that open light chord, and then the drums will kick in, and then Scott will just soar. Um, yeah, I I, th- I just really really like what they've done with this one. Um, mm. I'm curious curious on if this track kind of worked for you guys at all. It works amazingly for me. This is um, to me like in my notes before I did any sort of research to see the meanings or like what it represented. First couple of notes I have is the song sounds somber, lonely, and sad, which, given the context, is honestly a better approach than I think Nickelback would have taken given the rest of this album for any sort of sad point. And I think just the way it stays very soft for quite a while, it almost does what Faceless Man did, but in a different way, which is, as I said earlier, it's what I want from Creed. It's that formula that it is a very, very good formula. It's just you have to alter it on that and actually change that up. And this does it quite well. The... Um, there's more of a twangy sound in the guitar this time. There's it, that guitar follows uh, Stat because it's uh, Stat will go duh, 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 duh through the verses, and the guitar will also go duh, 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 duh. And it's simple, it's unbelievably simple during that start. When it builds, it builds like it did for Faceless Man, just a little bit, just enough. Doesn't transition you know, into this heavier piece or anything like that. It just stays at 
again, a ballady rock. It stays there, which this song reminds me a lot of one of my favorite songs from Alter Bridge, unsurprisingly, in, uh, in Loving Memory. There is a mm. lot of similarities to me with how this transitions into the heavier parts. So yeah. for me, this is exactly what I want from a rock ballad. I, I love the, um, the lyrics of the chorus. I think are worth shouting out. Well, I guess she closed her eyes and just imagined everything's all right, but she could not hide her tears because they were sent to wash away those years. They were sent to wash away those years. Jason, how did you fare listening to both these songs? My point's going to good times gone. Oh, oh, uh, actually, that track is a lot better than I remember it being. I think Nickelback mm. actually did pretty well on that one. It's a little bit over five minutes. Um, the instrumentation on it is a lot more interesting than definitely the previous tracks that we're listening to. It kind of feels as if they threw a few extra things at it. But did you again get that kind of carnival vibe from it? I'm not talking about the band carnival, like a carny kind of. In good times gone. Yeah. Uh, at least I did. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm crazy. Maybe just, maybe you might agree with me a little bit more here, but my vibe with it was I could picture this being like the soundtrack to a cowboy movie. Like yeah, as they've got the camera going through this dusty town. probably a better comparison. This is yeah. what's playing. Yeah. Yeah, something out of a Western film. Clint mm, Eastwood riding yeah, into the definitely. small town. And mm. it, it's good. Uh, I think... Oh, this, this is a sad one. something different. An acoustic guitar. Amazingly, it's something different. And it's a breath of fresh air from too bad to hang now. It all starts the same way. Good Times Gone kicks in. Got a bit of twang to it. And it's like, oh, something different. Yeah, I think that that's something Nickelback started to do a lot better at was just changing up how they... <laughs> dynamics and how they use different songs. I mean, perfect example. We'll go to the next record. Um, Someday opens up with an acoustic guitar. That's the third track on, on that record. Um, mm. Just, yeah, they, they just started to get better at it. I, I also think this comparison for me would have been, it would have been so fascinating if it was the long road versus human clay. I do wonder how that would have gone. It'd be fascinating to know, but we can only choose one at this point and we're 10 tracks in we've reached the final track of the Nickelback record. Yeah. What are and we I've going just with? said good times gone for me. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, Wash Away Those Years in a Landslide for me. I love that track. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the same. Wash Away Those Years is, it's so good. Good stuff. Okay, now uh, the final song goes uncontested. It's on Human Clay. It is Inside Us All. So the way we give this a gold star, if this went up against any other track on Silver Side Up, or if you would personally seek this song out again, give it a bonus point. Does it warrant it? You it's know a- what? For what I believe is a pretty enjoyable record from start to finish, I think Inside Us All's actually a bit of a dud closer. Um, they kind of try to make it sound really epic, but I feel as if it's just a little bit too drawn out for my liking. And yeah, it just doesn't quite get there. Whereas on the previous album, My Own Prison, they end with a track called One, and that's an excellent song. I actually think that that track kind of closes that album beautifully. But here was never huge on inside us all it's not one of my favorites interesting i personally love the melancholy soft again to use the same word somber feel that this song has the drums are simple the guitar is great um stap kills it on vocals here um it has a dry soft sound again it has that softer um i guess formula that creed has that i like but it uses that really 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 well 
And this one, it does feel quite different because it, when it picks up, it doesn't really go much further than where it picks up. Um, and the bridge, I love it. Um, this might be the third favorite. This is one of my favorites off this album. It baffles me that this is the last uh, song on the album. This should have been somewhere in the middle uh, as almost a palate cleanser somewhere because this is really good. On that note, Jacob, sometimes a lot of bands put the best track of the record at the end because it's the last thing you get to hear and you go, wow, was that amazing. Mm. Uh, so perhaps they thought they had something pretty special with that song and they put it at the end of the record. They thought it, you know, just kind of came to a nice conclusion with a, on a high note, if you will. Mm. I, I do agree that it, it, I'm not going to say it's the best. I don't think it is the best. I think that goes to probably Faceless Man, but this is close and I can definitely see that argument behind it. This to me gets a gold star without any sort of thought behind it. Uh-huh. Ben, weren't the same things. I, I'm maybe, I'm not, would I call it a dud? Why, why would you call that one a dud? Cause I can see that point. It's not, I don't think the, the chorus is overly interesting. Um, and I feel even with the, the verse passages as well, to me, it's just not done as well as a lot of the other songs on here. Kind of just goes by, but nothing. there's nothing overly striking about it compared to other songs, in my opinion. And just feels... Um, I also feel sonically it's very weighed down. It's very lumber, lumber. Yeah, along. It, 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 it's a bit slow and it goes for um, five minutes, 39. I think you probably could have shortened it by two minutes even, this one. Some songs definitely warrant the length, but Inside Us All just probably didn't need to overstay its welcome so much on an album that was almost clocking in at an hour. 56 minutes, 28 seconds. But mm. to its credit, I'll say to its credit, there's some interesting solo work going on. Like we didn't have an, like, an outright solo, but there's a problem I have with it. Cause it builds it up. It makes, it builds up to a in, interesting climax. It's like, it's going to climax and then it just fades out. Yeah. 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 And, we, yeah and, now, it, it, and in retrospect, now that we know how good Mark Tremonti is, it's like, ah, we know how mm. good he is now, but I guess in 1999, it would have been a bit of a different, um, perspective to that but ah, it's just something missing about that for those who like Alter Bridge I think it's pretty interesting to note and it's no surprise my favourite album from Alter Bridge is One Day Remains because it's easily the closest they ever sounded to Creed um, there's some tracks on that record that are just Creed in my opinion um, Find the Real um, Broken Wings is a Creed song I mean it sounds like a Creed song to me I could imagine um him singing that. But then there's other classics that sound nothing like Creed. Metalingus, I think, is a really good example of that. Um, oh, anyway, yes. it's, a, it's a fun record, but the band were quite annoyed about it because it, they were on Wind Up Records, same as with Creed, Wind Up. And Wind Up uh, did the marketing as this is featuring three members of Creed and the band were actually annoyed because they didn't want that name <laughs> with anything to do with this new project, which is rightfully so because people would mm. look at it a certain way. Um, so yeah, they were, they were pretty frustrated about that, but their career went fine. So they got nothing to worry about, but yeah, really, really great that we, uh, we got the dive into these records, Jason, where's your head at? Um, and Jacob, I, I have to ask, 
Do you guys look at Creed and Nickelback a little bit differently than before? Or after listening to these records, did nothing change your mind whatsoever about either of these bands? I think for me, I go, I come out of this with a bit more of a respect for what Creed could have been in saying that they did evolve into essentially Alter Bridge. So what they could have been was very, very good. Um, and what they did become was very, very good for that matter. Uh, but I think I walk out of this with the opposite mindset for Nickelback because this is, I re- it's been so long since I've gone back to Silverside Up and listened to everything and listening to it all together, I understand why people got so sick of the album and so sick of Nickelback throughout the years because the next album, yeah, they do change a bit, but there's only three or four songs I can think of that actually change at all. Even um, with Dark Horse, a lot of the songs are very similar to this. And it's kind of just looking back and going, yeah, they, they needed a change. I understand very much so why people hated them. Yeah, I think the, I think the difference is it's also a reason why Creed is just completely lost out of any sense of relevance, especially in 2020. Um, I know people don't like them and they had a formula and, you know, it wasn't, wasn't to everyone's cup of tea, but they actually went away. They only did make four albums, which is not many in the scheme of mm. things. Whereas Nickelback, I think have made nine now. And considering they, they have not changed the formula really since Silver Side Up, it's kind of been a pretty similar deal. I think they got better at songwriting in the next few records that followed Silver Side Up, but yeah, it's just a lot. <laughs> so... Let me put it this way. I could see Edge of a Revolution on Silver Side Up. If that was on this album, I would not be surprised. I don't think it would feel too out of place. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could take quite a lot of different cuts from later records and it would still probably fit in pretty easily. So Mm. it's interesting. I would just still implore listeners to at least give the song Feed the Machine a chance because that song's stellar. That was classic. Uh, first single they released off that newest album and people went, oh my gosh, it's finally the heavy metal album we've all been waiting for the band to do and then it just wasn't. <laughs> well, I didn't explore the entire album, so thank you for the feedback there, Ben. No worries at uh, all. In conclusion, for me, Creed, I still think they're funny. I still think Scott Stapp is the most nasally human being I've ever met. And another thing that really, really bugs me about this is that the, obviously, the backing band of Creed are really good because they went on to form Alt Bridge and they're brilliant. Scott Stapp, if you listen to some of his solo stuff, like if you listen to some songs off that recent one called uh, The Space Between the Shadows, the song Purpose yep. for Pain, the song Survivor, the nasal, the nasal singing style is almost non-existent. Yeah, it, it's really? unbelievable. No, no, no. Yeah, um, even on the Creed reunion record from 09, his voice sounds completely different. Um, the, yeah, the nasal. Yeah, it's gone. I do agree. I don't know what happened there. Would you recommend me listening to Full Circle? I haven't actually done that yet. Uh, you know what? I would because a lot of it does just sound like Alter Bridge songs. It's it's a it's a heavier. Um, if you try the opening track, uh, oh my gosh, I can't even think of what it's called. But the opening track is really really brilliant, and it's worth a listen. And um, a track called Bread of Shame. Oh, Overcome. Overcome's the opening track, but the track Bread of Shame that follows it is really heavy too. Um, like for Creed, it's like, wow, it's really heavy. Yeah. Fantastic. It, it, I'll, I'll seek that one out. All right. Well, we're at the end of the battle and it is time to put all of our tally scores into grand points. Uh, and this one, it's not going to be that much of a climactic ending because 
for all of us. And I mean, all three of us, we've all scored seven tally points to human clay. So in a landslide, it's three nil to human clay and it wins. I'm really, really happy boys. I think the best album of the two um, did, did come to the surface. I think we all, uh, all worked it out. So really, Mm. really proud of you guys to uh, give those two albums a listen. I know it wasn't quite, number one thing to do on the, on the lead up to Christmas. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you got through it and you listened to them a couple of times. And if anything, um, I think you could probably see the appeal for a lot mm. of fans for the, these bands. But then I think you can also sit in the camp of the, uh, the naysayers that don't like them as well. Yeah. So you, get, you can understand the fact that even like, for example, Nickelback, I did obviously didn't register any grand points. And I, in, for example, all of our overall scores is seven to three or seven to four. But mm. even the songs that we don't like by Silver Side Up, in fairness, if they're on in the background at at her on a night out, yeah, you will end up toe tapping like subconsciously. Well, so you can yeah, kind of, you think... can kind of make sense of that. But at the same time, it just for me there wasn't just... much memorable about it. Yeah, yeah there's nothing think, actually um, bad. Yeah, this this is why the uh, the Nickelback and the Creed hate was always so baffling to me because I don't think any of their music is offensively bad, you know, to the point of like that, that, that is just such a bad composition or whatever. I mean, yeah, you could nod to it if it's in the background, you know, oh, it's a bit of fun. There is one offensively bad, Ben. Yep. Look at this photograph. Oh, every time I do, it makes me laugh. <laughs> Love. <laughs> so, so good. Um, stay tuned for um, the Great Metal Standoff that'll come in uh, next year when I talk about Photograph um, for three hours. I uh, break down how the song came to be. Um, what, what, what did Joey have on his head? All that kind of stuff. No, I'm not <laughs> what did like he that. have? <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe we should do a Nickelback Creed rematch or we should put... We should do like a rematch, I reckon, at some point later down the line. How's that? Sound? Yeah, if I could, that if I could fun. say, I think um, the the most fair one we could do would be the Long Road versus Weathered, which are both the band's third records each, and uh, I I think especially Weathered for Creed has the best variety the band ever had on studio record. Well, if the so. listeners want it, we'll give it to them. Ben and Jacob, thank you very much for joining. Thanks so much, Jason. Always a joy. Mm. And uh, Jacob, very much appreciate um, how respectful you were uh, considering these were not two of your absolute favourite bands on the planet of the earth. And Jason, you too. Thanks for having me. You know, it was, as much as it wasn't my favourite listen, it was a fun listen. If this discussion has raised issues with you or somebody you know, you can contact one of the following services. Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 Kids Helpline 1-800-55-1800, Lifeline, 13 11 14, and the National Sexual Assault Hotline, 1-800-737-732. I can reveal that this result is the first battle to have our panel pitch a shutout. Creed Human Clay handily defeats Nickelback Silver Cider, thus earning the crown of... Least Worse. Alright, admittedly, there are worse bands out there in the world than Creed. Big thanks to Jacob and Ben for pleading their cases on the show, for it has made the last podcast of 2020 end with at least some fun and laughs to help this horror year help put it behind us. Tis the season to take the time to spend the holidays with our loved ones, reflect on the year gone by, and look to a better future. 
and to anyone out there listening who has been doing it tough this holiday season, from all of us here at the Great Metal Standoff, Moshpit, and Sin, better days are ahead and things will get better. We wish you a very, very happy holidays. It has been great fun talking music with all of you. Thanks to everyone who has tuned in, voted in a poll, or come on as a guest. You have helped make this show the most rewarding part of my year. Facebook.com forward slash Metal Standoff Pod if you want to stick with us going forward uh, in the coming year. We hope to hear from you then. But for now, take care, happy holidays, and a happy new year. And, of course, metal up your ass!